my heart can sing when I pause to remember a heartache here. It's but a stepping stone along the road that is winding always upward. This old troubled world, it's not my final
give life, you are love, you bring light to the darkness, you give hope, you restore every heart that is broken. Oh, and great are you, Lord. Again.
something's missing Hear a still small voice You just keep dismissing Do you know how it feels To know you've been changed And it seems that the whole world Has been rearranged Do you know how it feels When you knock to surrender Have your sins washed away Never to be remembered And know that it's real Tell me do you know how it feels How does it feel to know you're a child of the King Your heavenly Father owns everything How does it feel to know you are loved By the one who created stars up above How does it feel to know they're all love
Thank you for the offering today. I know it's uh, starting to get late, so I'm not going to spend a lot of time talking about it. I'm just going to go at it, okay? If you got your Bible, turn to Luke 15. Very familiar scripture to a lot of you. But <clears throat> before I get there, I'm going to read a couple places. But they're just short verses. A song came to my mind last night, Duran. No one ever cared for me like you. Amen. I don't know about you, but when we sometimes would sing that song, Duran, you could just feel his arms around you. No one cares for me like Jesus. Larry used to say, what are you going to preach about, Jesus? And I'd say, yeah, I'm going to talk about Jesus. Today, I want to talk about Jesus. There is no one that cares for you like Jesus. But you have to stay in with your face focused on him and in his word because he's wanting to talk to you. He wants you to know how much he loves you. Love will hide a multitude of sin. Love will turn the heart to make it do the right thing. True love for him, true love for a, a heavenly father that gives all he has for you and I. Today, I want you to listen to this. King David said this when he was a shepherd. He said, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. How many knows, you know, if you know Christ today, He's the shepherd of your soul. If you put your trust in him, he is going to lead you. He's going to be the shepherd of your soul. Now, you know what? Sometimes we think we can do it our own way. We turn and do a lot of things our own way. But I want you to hear Isaiah 40, verse 10 says this. Behold the Lord... God will come with a strong hand. This is Isaiah prophesying about him coming. And it says he'll come with a strong hand and his arms shall rule for him and behold his reward is with him and his work before him. And he shall feed his flock like a shepherd and he shall gather the lambs with his arm and carry them in his bosom and shall gently lead those that are with young. How many knows the true shepherd came? He's the shepherd of your soul. And I want you to understand it was prophesied that he would come. And a shepherd cares for his sheep. How many hears that? He cares for his sheep. We don't think too much about stuff like that because all we're worried about is our car running or where we're going from day to day. <clears throat> but I want you to know that in that time, in the Hebrew people, in the Israelite people, a lot of people were raised as shepherds. A lot of them had shepherds. A lot of them that even didn't go out and take care of the sheep, they had a lot of sheep. And that was part of the wealth back then. In Ezekiel 34, 23, he said one verse, 
I will set up one shepherd. This is where he's talking about the false shepherds that's in Israel. He said, I will set up one shepherd over them, and he shall feed them. Even my servant David, he shall feed them and be their be, and he shall be their shepherd. <clears throat> now I know that says, even my servant David, and there's been talk of one day David will rule again as a king. But I believe it's talking about he's the lineage of David. I believe he's talking about he come from the covenant with David. And that's, it, that's why it's talking about Christ. And John 10, 11, this is the last one before I get to 15. It says, John 10, 11 says, I am the good shepherd. This is Jesus talking. And the good shepherd gives his life for the sheep. I don't know about you, but coming as a shepherd was not necessarily some great elaborate job. But yet it was because he came for the shepherd of people. And he came for the shepherd of the soul. In the 15th chapter of Luke, and I want you to turn to it because I want you to see the first verse. But the reason I say that because I want you to hear what Jesus is trying to say to those in front of him. You know, sometimes we read the Bible and sometimes we skip on into the story. But don't you understand who was standing before Jesus when he stated these, this parable, when he started this parable? I want you to understand who's standing in front of him. It says in the first verse of the 15th chapter of Luke, then drew near unto him all the publicans and sinners for to hear him. And the Pharisees and the scribes murmured, saying, This man receives sinners and eats with them. Then he spake a parable unto them, saying. See, so many times we skip those verses. But I want you to see what Jesus is trying to say to whom he's talking to. See, sometimes God will speak to you, and it's more personal to you than it is to the person standing next to you that's hearing the same words. Because God knows exactly what he's dealing with. Our Savior knew exactly. What, what do you get out of this stories? Not just this first parable, but the, all three of them. There's three stories he tells in this Luke. And you've heard them, especially the last one about the prodigal son. It's the lost son. This is talking about the lost sheep. But I want you to understand, he's standing before scribes and Pharisees. These religious leaders that were self-righteous, that don't think they need anything. Here is Jesus talking, and he not only talks to them, but he's including the publicans and the sinners. What's a publican? Publican is a tax collector. Now, the tax collectors in Rome, basically, it's like our tax system now. You've got federal taxes or taxes that go to your government and Rome, Rome led. Rome was the rule. So Rome got the taxes. Yet there were cities that were set aside that they had their own city tax or state tax or however you call it, but it took care of their area. And that's where they would hire a Hebrew, a Jewish person to take over and run the money for that area. 
he would go and collect the money from everybody, collect the taxes to run the city. Whether you had the waterworks or whatever you had going on, the well kept dry, the road kept good. I don't know what all they did. What we excuse for taxes today, I don't know, might be a little different back then. But how many knows the publican was considered a Hebrew that betrayed his own people because he would go and he would get taxes from them. And they didn't like him because he would take more than he was supposed to get to take care of himself so he could pocket his own cash and his own money. So he was not liked. Can you name a couple of them? I can give you two right off the bat. Number one was Matthew. Matthew was a tax collector. Matthew was the one that wrote the first gospel. And it's also wrote to the Jews, and it's wrote that it, it explains so many things so clear. The whole gospel of Matthew. Did you know Matthew's not talked about very much in Scripture? Yet, Matthew, that tax collector, Jesus chose him to come and follow him. The other one was, I was thinking of was Zacchaeus, that wee little man. And that wee little man. He gave it all up to follow Jesus. These were tax collectors. These were people that were looked down on by the world. Now, obviously, Matthew had good. He was good in math, Matthew. He was good in math. Obviously, that's why he was uh, chose to go collecting the taxes. He knew exactly how to add it up, how he was going to get it taken. I'm not trying to put him down. I'm trying to tell you God knows every one of us. And he knew these tax collectors, these publicans and these sinners, and they classed them together. More or less, they ain't accepted by nobody. Nobody liked them. And, the, and these religious leaders looked at Jesus like, why do you even allow those people or deal with those people? Why do you even bring them or, or even like the, uh, like the one that had uh, leprosy? Why would you even touch any of them? That's against the law. It's against the Jewish way. But how many know Jesus came to save all? Now think about it because he puts these four people before him. And there may have been more. because It says Pharisees and scribes, publicans and sinners. It was probably a lot of them gathered in there. But I want you to put yourself in one of those categories. Some of us have been raised in church. We're pretty righteous. We know exactly how to say all the words, do all the things. But when Jesus comes and speaks truth to our heart, how do you handle it? How do you deal with it when he tells you you're wrong? How do you deal with it when he's correcting you? Where is your heart at? Do you accept him being your shepherd? Do you accept him coming over you and saying, you don't have the right heart. Now, I'm not condemning everybody. I'm trying to tell you that we're already condemned. Without him, we're condemned. Without him, we're lost. 15th goes on. It says, and to start with the parable, it says, What man of you, he's looking at him, having a hundred sheep, if he lose one of them, Doth not leave the ninety and nine in the wilderness and go after that which is lost until he finds it. 
And when he hath found it, he lays it on his shoulder, shoulders rejoicing. And when he comes home, he calls together his friends and neighbors, saying to them, Rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep which was lost. I say unto you that likewise shall there, likewise joy shall be in heaven over one sinner that repents, more than over ninety and nine just persons which need no repentance. Now, I want to tell you something. I think he's throwing these words at these Pharisees. Because he looks right at them and says, you that don't need repentance. It ain't wasn't that they really didn't need repentance. They thought they didn't need no repentance. Just like a lot of people today. They look at us like we're weaklings because we have to lean on Jesus. Yes, I need to lean on Jesus. You need to lean on Jesus. They need to lean on Jesus. You just don't know how much you need Jesus. You don't know how much he cares for you and why he said and what he did, what he did. But these scribes and these Pharisees thought they didn't need no repentance. One thing about this lost sheep, one thing that kind of struck me, and I look at it like he's one of a hundred. And he's just bouncing around. You know how sheep are. They just bounce around. It's like they don't want nobody to tell them to be still. You know, just let me bounce around. I'm happy bouncing around. He bounced around until he found himself lost. What does it mean? Those that have drifted and wandered away from the fold. Listen, some people doesn't mean to get lost, but they get lost. I mean, here's what I'm saying. You know, I've seen people that grew up in church. They have been in the presence of God. God has loved them, blessed them. I can remember the times they laid at the altar and wept and cried because God was so good to them. I remember the times that we would share the praises of God. But somehow they got so busy and they allowed the world to draw them away. I, I see them sometimes as that busy little, that little sheep that just wanders away. He was lost. Now think about this. He was lost. That means he couldn't find his way. And he didn't know the danger he was in. Moms and dads, you see your children. They, you've got a lot of young people who come to 18 years old, been in church most of their life. I've heard it come out of my, probably my kids, my grandkids. They say, boy, when I turn 18, I ain't going to church with mom and dad. I ain't listening to mom and dad. I'm going to get my own place. I'm going to stay up till I feel like it, going to bed. I'm going to let my hair grow long. How many knows what I'm talking about? He was lost, couldn't find his way, didn't know the danger he was in. Ain't that right, Mom and Dad? They don't know the danger they're in. That's why we worry so much. It's not that we want to take them back home and control them, but we're worried to death that the enemy's going to get in. We've been taking care of them most of our life. We've raised them to believe in God. And now you see them drift out. Young people, listen to what I'm telling you. Because it'll happen to you. You'll begin to drift away from what you've been raised to believe 
Pretty soon you're taking on other beliefs. Pretty soon you don't know what you believe. People, go, their kids go off to college, don't know what's being told. Adults are telling them just the opposite of what the church is saying. They're lost. They've lost their way. Jesus shows in this little story that he cares for one lost sheep. Listen to me. He left the 90 and 9 and he went after that one lost sheep. Because in his mind, mom, listen to this, dad, listen. In his mind, that little sheep's out there and he's vulnerable. He don't realize the danger he's in. Listen to what Jesus is saying before these Pharisees and scribes and the public and the center. Number one, he's telling the public and the centers, I'm coming after you too. I didn't just come for the religious people. I came after you, lost sheep. I came after you, you that have messed up your life and you've already messed up and it's too late to turn back around. In your mind, you can't fix it. But Jesus says, I come for you. And he wants these Pharisees and scribes to know that I come for them. I'm going to love them. Them are just as important to me as you were. You know what, Christian? We have an example before us. We should follow. And I'm talking about the love of Jesus. The church should love lost souls. That's what our Savior did. He came and he stopped in the middle of this Pharisee attack on him. Before they were calling him Beelzebub, they were calling him everything in the world. He stops them all and he says, hold on, I came here to save lost souls. I didn't come to condemn anybody. I come that they might be saved. So let it go. Begin to go back and love people like we're supposed to. Luke 19.10 said, For the Son of Man is come to seek and to save that which was lost. Let's look at, look at the second part of this. It says a lost piece of silver. It's the next part of the parable. And he says, either, verse 8, either, that wo either what woman having ten pieces of silver, if she lose one piece, does not light a candle and sweep the house and seek diligently till she finds it. And with she hath found it, she calls her friends and her neighbors together, saying, Rejoice with me, for I have found the piece which I had lost. Likewise, listen to what Jesus says at the end, just like he said at the end of the, talking about the lost sheep. Likewise, I say to you, there is joy in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner that repents. How many knows the lost piece of silver was of great value? You hear what I'm telling you? The lost piece of silver to that woman was of great value. Now, some, sometimes I look at this story and I think to myself, 
He started out with a hundred and he lost one. That's one percent. Then he starts out with ten pieces of silver and he loses one, but that's ten percent. It went from one percent to ten percent. Then if you get to the last story, the prodigal son and his brother, you're talking about two. And it's talking about 50%. How many here's what I'm saying? How many knows Jesus is trying to tell you how important every soul is? He's not only after those that don't think they belong at all or that they've got away and, and they've already messed up their life, but he's looking for the one that's lost right inside the house. I even thought maybe the woman represents a family, a mother that's got ten children. Because I thought to myself, what is so important? I read somewhere where I think it's in, in that area, Palestinian area, that they gave 50 pieces of silver to a widow. Well, I guess 50 pieces of silver was a big thing. And obviously, if she lost one, it would be uh, something she'd worry about. But she got up and she sought it. But I believe Jesus is talking about lost souls because that's what he's talking about. He brings it out. Nothing's more important than them coming to repentance and knowing that they were lost and they are found and how we ought to rejoice when one soul comes to the Lord. I've heard that all my life. The angels in heaven are rejoicing over one lost soul. How many knows that's true? I know it's a parable, but Jesus is explaining how important lost souls are. Isaiah 53, 6 and 7. It says, All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned every one to his own way. And the Lord hath laid on him Talking about the Savior, the suffering Savior. He's laid on him the iniquity of us all. Did you know he laid your sins on Jesus when he died? He laid your lost soul upon Christ. Everything you did wrong was laid on Christ. The next verse says, he was oppressed and he was afflicted. Yet he opened not his mouth. He was brought as a lamb to the slaughter. And as a sheep before his shears is dumb, so he opened not his mouth. Why did I want to read that? I want to read it because Jesus became a sheep. See, the shepherd became one of us so he could lay down his life and die. He didn't have no sin. How many knows he didn't have nothing to repent of? But he took on what you and I have done. To be able to bring us to God. To be able to bring us back to a pure walk with him. I don't know who you are today, but I want you to know something. God has not given up on you. You might say, I've already messed up. I've already walked the way I'm going. Well, Jesus is trying to let you know, I came to save the lost. I didn't come to condemn you. I come to show you you need salvation. You need to repent. You need to turn to him. No matter who you are, 
No matter how long you've been walking this road, if you've got something in your life that's causing you to drift away. Now, if you get to the last part of this, the prodigal son story, there's one thing different about it. One thing that stuck out to me different. He's not just the lost son, like the lost coin and the lost sheep. But he's a rebellious lost son. Let me hear what I'm saying. He was raised in the father's house, and he wanted his goods to get out of there. Okay? Jesus is still reaching out. Jesus is still trying to explain the story. But he's dealing with somebody's rebellion. You know, not every kid will grow up, get 18 years old, and run away from church. Some of them find their way. Some of them are like that one in the middle. They're just lost in the house. We're all lost without Jesus. But some get found right there in the home. Some get found on the route. They see it. But some will rebel and some will leave. And they leave because they think, I'm going to miss something. I've got to get out there with what the rest of them, my group is doing. And they find themselves running after it. And it never fulfills them. They find themselves running after something that brings destruction. You know, sin will bring destruction. It'll destroy you, young people. Your little innocence is gone. That which God is trying to reach inside of you. And I only say this because I want you to understand. He's reaching for you today. Because he still loves you. He's not giving up on you. Don't you get it? You might have gave up. Your mom and dad might have gave up. I don't care if you're a drug addict. I don't care if you're hooked on pornography. I don't care what you're hooked on. Jesus loves you still. And he's right, trying his best to show you how much he loves you. This whole chapter of Luke 15 is showing the, the religious people and the worst of sinners. I love you. And I'm calling you to repentance. And I've got space for you to repent. Sometimes we cut people off and don't give them space to repent. Sometimes we like to hate some people. See, they like to hate the publicans that was collecting taxes. You know, they were pretty much hated. Oh, they were selfish. They wanted money for themselves. You know, you know that's true because Zacchaeus says, I'll pay them back so much money, I'm going to go back and refund the money. But the truth is, you can't always pay back. But you and I need to give people space to repent. You hear what I'm saying? See, no one ever cared for me like Jesus. No one. He's, he's always there to lift me up when I fail him. He's always there to tell me when I'm out of line, but he does it with love. And he humbles me and he breaks me down. And he tells me how much I depend and I need him every day. 
Don't fall out of love with Jesus. Don't turn away from him. Don't keep running your own way. See, that's what that one scripture says. It says, all we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. Don't look at somebody else. Don't think about somebody else that's living a bad life. That's the scribes and Pharisees are doing. But see, Jesus wants you to look at yourself. And he wants you to know, are you walking with me? Don't you know I love you and I'm, I'm reaching for you to come to me? This is what I know God put on my heart this week. In Mark, the eighth chapter, verse 36, he said, What shall it profit a man if he shall gain the whole world and lose his own soul? I look at these rich people. We watched a little bit of Trump's speech in Texas last night, me and the wife. I know you might not want to hear no more out of Trump tonight. That's okay. I'm not, I'm not pushing it. But I'm going to tell you something. He spoke some right things. And I'm not going to get into it, but he spoke some right things. One is, he said, this country needs to pray and God gives us room to go back. We need to go back. You hear what I'm telling you? We need to go back to living right. We need to go back to serving him. We need to go back to praying for lost souls and reaching out and drawing people in. We ain't looking to fill every seat. We're looking to fill hearts with it, with it gospel of Jesus Christ and if that's what not what we're interested in we, we ain't going to convince nobody of nothing one time we might have a good service you might go out of here and say wow I might come back another time you go out of here and you'll say man that's, I could go down to the ball game and get more thrills but I'm going to tell you something walking with Jesus is one day at a time when you stay in love with him, they can't shut you up. They can't stop what you feel inside of you. That's why when these young get up and they begin to sing, that's why the spirit hits people and they begin to rise. That's me. Is it well with my soul? That's me. I will rise someday. That's me. Am I ready to rise if he calls my name? Are you ready to rise? Or are all you waiting and you're still trying to do it your way? I don't know why God puts some of these messages this way, but I believe it's because he loves us and he's trying to reach out and draw us to him. You don't know what he can do with you and you don't know what he can do in this church. And I ain't talking about putting no pat on anybody's back here. I'm talking about letting Christ have his way in, this, in his own church. I want this to be the lighthouse. We used to sing that song all the way back at Asbury. Remember when it came out? The lighthouse. Danny and Darlene used to sing it. Lighthouse on the hillside. The lighthouse is still shining. Brightly. He's still real today. He still loves lost souls. 
I don't care how good you got your life. I don't care. You might be a good little Pharisee and a good little scribe. But can I tell you something? You ain't got your act together unless you've got your act together with him. He's the only way my act works. He's the only way my life works. I found out everything else is failing me. I take so many vitamins and pills. And ain't that pitiful? I get so sick of them pills, I'm glad I don't have to take a pill with me when I go to heaven. And the same way with that phone. That's, I told somebody Thursday night, the last thing I'm going to do is step on that phone. <laughs> and I'm leaving. I know. Some of you like to marry your phone, but I'm, I'm not there. <laughs> Forgive me. I'm not picking at your phone. There's good in a lot of things. The lost sheep got lost. The lost piece of silver got lost. But the lost son rebelled and left. In the 11th verse, and I'm not going to read all this, but I want you to hear it. It's getting late. Verse 11 of 15, Luke 15. He said, and he said, a certain man had two sons. Third part of the parable. Certain man had two sons. The younger of them, you've heard this, said to his father, Father, give me the portion of goods that falls to me. And he divided unto them his living. And not many days after, the younger son gathered all together, took his journey into a far country, and there wasted his substance with riotous living. And when he had spent all, there arose a mighty famine in the land, and he began to be in want. And he went and joined himself to a citizen of the country, and he sent him into the fields to feed swine. And he would fain, fain means desired, have to fill his belly with the husk. That's the outside covering of the fruit, mostly. But the husk is not the good fruit. It's with the leftovers. It's what the pigs eat. They throw them a lot of the leftovers. And he got hungry for that. And no man gave to him. And then it says in verse 17, and when he came to himself, see again, Jesus is telling the story to come to repentance. Hear what I'm telling you. Everybody's story should come to repentance. Everybody's life, you got to come to the day when you humble yourself and say, God, I've been doing the wrong way. I need to follow you. I need you in my life. But he said, and when he came to himself, he said, How many hired servants of my father have bread enough to spare, and I perish with hunger? I will rise and go to my father and will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before thee, and am no more worthy to be called thy son. Make me as one of the hired servants. But the reason I read to there, because I want you to see the repentance part. He came to himself. He realized, I'm a lost soul. I left the very place that I want to go back to inside of my heart. I want to go back. See, I remember being a little child running around Northside. I remember being an innocent kid. I said this a long time ago, but I used to run 
even coming home from junior high, I'd run and I could leap. Coda, I could leap over big, tall bushes. And I would leap and sometimes just fall flat in the grass, just dive in the grass. I thought I was just, I was like Superman. I'm getting ready to take off. <laughs> I was just an innocent kid. But how many knows the days come when you're not that innocent kid? And I can't go back there. I can only go forward. And my only forward innocence is in Jesus. The only way I can find myself an innocent child is in the arms of Jesus with the blood covered of my life. God, thank you for giving me repentance. Thank you for being my friend and loving me and keep reaching out to me all my life. I don't deserve it, Lord, but you have loved me all my days. Young people, you need to fall in love with him. I read that and I couldn't help but know that there's no one cares for me like Jesus. There's no love like Jesus loves. My wife loves me, but sometimes she can aggravate me. <laughs> Jesus loves me in everything. He loves me. He corrects me with kindness. He always lets me know I'm doing this for your good. Sometimes, gee, I think my wife does it for, for her own reasons. Isn't that true? Don't you know when he corrects you, he loves you? <clears throat> the scripture says, all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. I don't care who you are today. He's talking to you. He's talking to you. Jesus is talking to you. Only you and him knows what's going on in your life. Only you and him knows if you've repented and that if he calls your name, you can arise and go to him. Only he knows that, you and him. I'm not your judge. Don't want to be. I want you to fall in love with him. I want you to fall in his arms and say, God, I'm sorry. Keep me, Lord, as a child of God. Whatever it takes, Lord. Whatever rain has to come into my life, bring me the rain if that's what it takes. But I want to live for you. Last place I'm going to read. Becky, you guys can come up again if you want. I want you to turn to 1 Peter 2. First Peter 2. Verse 20, or yeah, First Peter 2, 21. I want you to hear this because it's speaking to the church. Peter's speaking to you and I. Listen to what he says. For, here, for even hereunto were you called. We were called. Listen to this. Peter said you're called. Because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example that you should follow his steps. Are you following his steps? Are you wanting to see souls saved? Or are you just looking for a social gathering? Are you looking for the lost people to come in? You may say to yourself, I'm not no good speaker. I can't speak to people. I can't witness to people like some people do. You know what? I feel like the most inadequate. <clears throat> but I know when God sends me there, something gets inside of me 
And I began to say things that I didn't even think I knew. Because God begins to encourage me. I began to see that lost face, that lost eyes, and that helpless look. Can you imagine how happy that little sheep was to see the shepherd coming after him? Can you imagine how thrilled into his little body that he was when that shepherd picked him up and put him on his shoulders and carried him home? God don't want us to get lost, but he knows we will. And that's why he came. And that's why he shows us these stories. He shows us this parable. He's trying to let the Pharisees and scribes know, get over yourself. I didn't come here to join your religious group. I come here to save all that are lost. God said, I think it's in 1 Peter also, or 2 Peter, 2 Peter 1.9. I think it talks about God's not willing that any should perish, but all come to repentance. He goes on to say, verse 22 of 1 Peter 2. Verse 22 says, who did no sin, it's talking about Christ, neither was guile found in his mouth, who when he was reviled, reviled not again. When he suffered, he threatened not, but committed himself to him that judges righteously. Listen to me. There's something he's saying here. He's saying, Peter's saying something here. He's saying, as our Savior suffered, and when he was threatened, he didn't threaten back. I mean, here's what I'm saying. Quit defending yourself and your American rights. Begin to call upon God and say, God, give me the love for people to reach out. If you begin to hate everybody that you don't like the way they vote or like the way they talk or whatever, you ain't going to reach out to nobody. Pretty soon they don't live under my thumb, so I ain't telling them nothing. He's telling us this is an example to us. Verse 24, who his own self bear our sins in his own body on the tree, that we being dead to sin should live unto righteousness, by whose stripes you were healed. For ye were as sheep going astray, but are now returned unto the shepherd and the bishop of your souls. Who's the shepherd of your soul? His name is Jesus. Who's the Savior of your soul? His name is Jesus. Who paid it all and showed us how we're to walk? Jesus. Who loves us and still reaching out to us? His name is Jesus. I don't know who I'm talking to today. Maybe nobody. Maybe this is only for me. But I enjoy talking about the love of Jesus. I enjoy the love of the Father. See, because the Father sent the Son to do this. He didn't do anything on his own. He did it to please the Father. Isn't that beautiful, Lynn? What a plan of God. Plan of salvation included me. Plan of salvation includes you, no matter who you are. You may not be think you're ready, but I'm going to tell you something. The truth's still there. You'll face this same truth. When you, if you live to your 90 years old, guess what? This same truth's gonna be right there in your eyes. 
come to Jesus. He's the only way. He's the shepherd of my soul. That's why I think David was a man after God's heart. He said, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Leads me beside the still waters. Restores my soul. Yea, though I walk through a valley of shadow and death, I'll fear no evil. Thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Praise God. And I'll dwell in the house of the Lord forever. David knew who his shepherd was. Do you know your shepherd? When he corrects you, when he takes his little stick and says, get in line. When he hollers because he knows your name. He knows your little name. Out of all the American people and all the world people, Jesus knows your name. Ain't that beautiful? That's a true shepherd. You think mommy and daddy might forget their little child? One place says they'll forget their little sucking child. They said they will, but God won't never forget. He loves you. He's still reaching out for you. And if you're running from him, turn around. Turn around today and come to Jesus. Please come to him before he calls. He's calling us today to his side. Praise God. Everybody stand. great value in that story, the value of the lost. Jesus is showing the value of a lost soul. And I love that he's had those people from the one end of the world, the sinners, and the, and the they weren't Republicans, they were publicans. The sinners and the publicans, and then you had these uh, people that thought they were just so religious, they didn't need no that something? See, I like to look at those things that I've looked at a hundred times, and sometimes God begins to show me something I never thought. See, that's the reason he spoke this story just like he spoke. Because he had these people standing and looking in his face. And he loved the lowest, and he was willing to get forgive. That prodigal son came home, and his brother despised didn't even want to call him his brother no more. Isn't that pitiful? But see, his brother was like those scribes and Pharisees. His brother thought, oh, well, I never left home. I stayed right here, Father. You never, you never killed no fatty calf for me. How would the Pharisees and scribes complain when they, if they make it to heaven, how would they complain and say, you didn't, you didn't love me like you loved them others? You didn't care that much about me. You didn't make over me. God makes over people that's true and honest and repents. That's who he makes over. But he's coming after all of us. He comes after me. 
need to pray today. I believe God spoke his truth. You need to hear it, weigh it in your own heart. That's between you and God. Between you and God. But if you need to be need to come up and pray, you come. Because Jesus will meet you here if you'll make the step. The only reason I say that, you need to be ready to confess to your holy Lord that I'm guilty and I need a Savior. While they sing songs, come on. Debbie was talking about Lou, and I remember Lou's testimony. I remember the day she got saved at the little church. She came to church that day and sat in the back. It was time for her for church to be over. She was trying to get out the door. 
when all of a sudden somebody said something to her and she broke down and started crying and she gave her life to Jesus. But she said later in her testimony, I was looking through all my clothes and saying to myself, this is the one I'll wear today because this is the one I'm going to get saved in. She had salvation on her mind before she ever came to church. She knew she needed to be saved. I don't care what you got on today. But I want to tell you something God knows exactly what you're thinking. He knows if you're hiding. See, I was hiding. I hid behind some big guy named W.M. Smallwood. I was hiding behind him. Don't, don't let, don't let nobody see me and I'll get out of here if they'll stop singing. I was hiding, but I knew I was lost. I don't know why I'm saying this, but you, you got to know. When you look back at that, you may never had another chance to be in the presence of God and to know that God was speaking to you about your lost soul. Don't you know that those Pharisees and those scribes and those sinners and publicans stood there while Jesus was pouring his heart to include them all? Isn't that beautiful? Don't you know he's, he's poured his heart out to you to include you today? Don't put it off to another day. He already knows what's in your heart and mind. It's not easy to say, I need to repent. That's, that's humbling. That's something that you have to admit first, I'm lost. I know I'm not saved. And I need a Savior. Are you there? Don't put it off. Don't put it off. Enemy would love to steal your life. He'll not only steal your innocence, but he'll steal your life. He'll lead you down a path of destruction. You know, my wife has said one, to one of her grandkids, nothing works without Jesus. Nothing. All the good you try to do, you can make millions of dollars, but you can lose millions of dollars too. But what do you have anyway when you come to the end of your life? You're facing the same thing. I need Jesus. He knows how to lead you through this. He has plans for your life. And he'll make you happier than you ever thought you could ever be. Content inside your heart. No more fear, no more doubt. I believe he's with me. Are you there? Sing a little bit of that, Duran. No one ever cared.
who would carry the cross up to Calvary. No one ever cared so much for me. Now when I see him face to face, in glory, I'm gonna bow and his name scarf Praise God. And now thank him for the pain he so much for There is no one who cares like Jesus. There's no friend so precious as He. 